Welcome to Nerds at Church, a podcast about nerdery and the Bible. I'm Pastor Kay, and I use pronouns like she and her. And I'm Pastor Emily, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. In this episode, we'll discuss the second Sunday of Easter, which this year falls on April 16th. We have one content notification for this episode. We briefly talk about the disposal of Hitler's body when discussing the first reading. Check out the episode description for links to the Bible passages and other references we make in this episode. For our deep dive for this episode, we are diving into people raised from the dead in the Bible. It is a much lesser known, I think, topic, but we are excited to talk about that because this is the season of resurrection, and so what better time It seems important. Yeah. Also, there were definitely a couple of these stories that surprised me. Like, I had not heard all of them. It's true, and we didn't even include things like the Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel 37. So that was a vision that did not actually happen. Yeah. Yeah. We're, like, talking real accounts. Yeah. Although, to be fair, the first one might be a little debatable because when it comes to being raised from the dead, well, there's different options for that, apparently. And so the very first story in the Bible of someone being raised from the dead is actually the story of the witch of Endor and Saul raising what is either Samuel's ghost or possibly a nameless spirit, depending on how you read this. They're trying to raise Samuel's ghost. Mm -hmm. And Saul wants to know what's going to happen in the future as the king of Israel, but he has expelled wizards and magic doers from the land. And so he manages to find a witch called the Witch of Endor, who calls up Samuel's ghost and or possibly just some random spirit, because the text really isn't very clear. And that Bing is very angry at Saul and really does not seem to notice the witch much at all. And Saul apparently loses the throne and dies in exchange for having done this. I mean, eventually, not like immediately, but you know, that's, it's implied pretty Mm -hmm. heavily that that outcome is because of what he did. Oh, I thought it was for other reasons that possibly also other reasons, but but like, I I guess this put the nail on the coffin as it were. So, ha. (laughs) that was so good one of the other resurrection accounts which is one that might be a little bit more well known because jesus references it is the resurrection of the widow's son in zarephath so this happens in first kings chapter 17 if you want the full story start at verse 8 otherwise the particular resurrection part is verses 17 through 22 And during the drought, God sends Elijah to chill with a widow and her son in Zarephath, sustaining them all together. And at one point, the woman's son falls ill and dies, and Elijah prays to God, and the child's life comes into him again. So it's more well known for the drought and sustaining in the drought, but also resurrection. Yeah. And then another one, and this one was new to me. Well, Technically, I've read it because I've read the Bible a couple times, but the Shunammites... I don't remember if I was familiar with this story before. It, I was it's not. not familiar. The Shunammites' son, which is in Second Kings chapter 4, if you want the full story, start at verse 8. Otherwise, the resurrection and kind of that part is verses 17 through 37. So a wealthy woman in Shunamm repeatedly provides hospitality to Elisha, 
even building him a small room for when he passes through. And Alicia prophesies that she will have a son because at this point she had no son and her husband was old. And the woman does indeed get pregnant as Alicia had predicted and has a son. And as the child is like, you know, more childish and less babyish, so can walk and talk, experiences significant pain in his head at some point and dies. And the woman comes to Alicia and gets him, not just his servant, to come back with her, even though Alicia had sent his servant Gehazi, who did not succeed in reviving the child. Alicia does some weird stuff, like lays on top of the child with his body lined up with the child and then walks around and then does it again and ultimately the child warms and then sneezes seven times and opens his eyes so sneezing signs of life i know i am probably not alone in this springtime of allergies (laughs) in not always being a fan of probably yeah And this was definitely the only story I had just absolutely never come across or heard of before, which is the resurrection of the man thrown into Elisha's grave, which occurs in 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 14 through 19 is the setup, and then the resurrection is verses 20 through 21. Elisha has died, and his grave had been left open for some unclear reason, and a group was burying another man who had, you know, obviously also died nearby when they saw a group of bandits Mm -hmm. coming. And so they threw the other guy's body into Alicia's grave, and presumably the guys who were doing the burying ran away. And as soon as the body touched Alicia's body, he was resurrected and stood up. And there's no real word on what happened next. Like, did the bandits notice him? Did the bandits immediately come by and, you know, kill him again? We don't know. It's unclear. But I have absolutely no memory of ever discussing that story before. So... Same. Never, never actually heard that one. And then we get into the Gospels and the Gospel accounts. So we're going through this in the Bible table of contents order. So in Matthew, the first kind of story we get about resurrection is the resurrection of the unknown saints, which happens during the crucifixion. And that is Matthew 27, if you want kind of more context and Jesus' actual death. Start at verse 45, otherwise it's verses 50 through 56. And in it, the earth shakes when Jesus dies and the dead are raised in their tombs. And apparently after his resurrection, they walk around in Jerusalem for a while because that's not creepy. And Matthew's gospel is the only gospel to include this particular part. So, yeah, 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 truth. And then the other resurrection in Matthew, which actually occurs in all four Gospels, which should not be surprising, is the resurrection of Christ. It's kind of what we're based on. <laughs> and by we, we mean the church. Yes. So that one in Matthew is Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. We literally just heard this. So you can definitely check out our Easter episode if you want to dig more into this or our Easter Vigil episode for the John version, but Jesus is raised from the dead and appears to women. And I hope that's not a spoiler for anyone listening to this podcast because we are called Nerds at Church. So It's true. It's true. We are. And that summary goes for every single resurrection account 
in each gospel. And then in the Gospel of Mark, we have the resurrection of Jairus' daughter in chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. Jesus is interrupted by the woman with the hemorrhage while on the way to raise the daughter of a leader of the synagogue, and then he does raise her. And then in Luke we get the account of the resurrection of the young man at Nain. And this is Jesus raising a widow's only son in front of a large crowd, which definitely scares them. This is also on a like fun story, personal note. This is the text that our preaching professor would assign for our first sermon, which is really cool because it's a very clear, there's nothing that the widow at Nain does to yeah. earn her son's resurrection and there's nothing that her son does because you know he's he's dead dead. yeah and so our preaching professor always would assign this text for us because there's a good one to start with and then in the gospel of john we have of course the resurrection of lazarus which we have heard reasonably recently in john 11 verses 1 through 37 are the setup and then the actual resurrection happens in verses 38 through 45 Jesus mm-hmm. waits several days for Lazarus to die and then goes to Bethany to raise him and maybe regrets putting his sisters through all that afterwards. It seems yeah. like. Yeah. Awkward. Yeah, for sure. And then we get a couple in the book of Acts. So the first one is the resurrection of Tabitha or Dorcas, depending on which language you're understanding yeah. her name to be. In And Peter, at the request of many townspeople, resurrects a woman known for acts of charity and for making tunics for widows. So Tabitha was a very important person in the early church and so important that, in fact, Peter comes and resurrects her after she has died. And then a favorite story of preachers around the world, the resurrection of Eutychus in Acts chapter 20 (laughs) verses 7 through 12. This is the story of when a guy fell off a roof and fell down three stories and died because he fell asleep during Paul's sermon. But Paul, handily enough, goes outside and resurrects him. (laughs) It does not say that Paul apologizes for being that boring of a preacher, but many of us like to think he might have. So, yeah. It also doesn't say that Eutychus apologized for falling asleep during Paul's sermon, yeah. which is evidence that like sometimes, and I don't know that pastors say this enough, but sometimes the good news is a nap and yes, that's okay. Absolutely. It's okay if you need sleep, especially with the way the capitalist grind works these days. If you're sitting on the edge of a roof, yeah, please don't, don't take a nap. Don't do that. And after a a friend of mine in college had an incident, also please be careful on a windowsill if it's rained recently. She fell one and a half stories down and broke her back. She's fine now. Or just like windowsills in in general, whatever the weather. Well, yes. Thank goodness for being in the UK and having good health coverage. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the Bible also includes many, many like prophecies of future resurrections and the book of Revelation Mm -hmm. and so forth. We're not going through those. We're just telling the stories of and these people were raised during biblical times. So that's it for the list of people who were raised in biblical times. Yeah, which is, you know, a good collection of people. Yes, but still very finite. Yes. Yeah. So part of why we wanted to do this is because it's the season of resurrection and stuff. But also like growing up for me, there were a couple things that I was told about the Bible that are not true. And one of them is that Jesus is the first person to be resurrected. 
Yeah, no. Jesus isn't even the first person that Jesus resurrects. <laughs> yeah. And there's a different aspect to like Jesus' own resurrection because it's a resurrection and then an Elijah style ascension up sure. into heaven. And so it's a different type of resurrection, but there are actual resurrections in the Bible. And so that was something that we wanted to talk about. Also, I will give an honorable mention to Elijah, who is not resurrected, but also does not die. Yes. So I feel like he deserves a little bit of... Middle space. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing is that resurrection is popular, particularly <laughs> in pop culture. So we have some different resurrection stories that we're also going to tell you, remind you, slash tell you about. Yeah. So first off, if you just want the like full possible list of all the resurrections you could ever find in like fiction or media, there is a resurrection trope page at TV Tropes. And when they say it's a trope page, that means that it lists all the different tropes that are associated with resurrection. It looks like a very good time. You could lose days there, but we will link to it in the episode notes. <laughs> Several of them are very fun. And we are probably invoking more than a few of them in our list, but we're not actually going to name drop all of them because that would take forever. Yeah. The first one that came to mind for me was Buffy in season six. Season five, they thought was the last season they were going to get. And so Buffy yes. died. She sacrificed herself that others may live, blah, blah, blah total messianic character and you can yeah. check out our advent four from our first season for more about the amazingness that is Buffy with our first ever guest Susanna Porter but Buffy in season six then is resurrected she's brought back to life by Willow and they bring her back to life but don't think about the fact that they already buried her so she's alive and has to dig herself out of her grave that's kind of rude. Yeah. Yeah. And so for her, the experience of being resurrected is actually like being sent back to hell because she was in heaven and she was happy. And then she goes back and she's literally buried alive. Yeah. And also the world is not heaven. It's yeah. not perfect. So she has lots of work that she has to do. I'm also a fan of a TV show called Dead Like Me that was on TV several years ago now. And the concept is that the main character is killed within definitely the first 10 minutes of the first episode by the toilet seat of a space station that is falling apart falls down to earth and hits her and she dies because if a toilet seat falls on you from space then you're not gonna make it and there's as you can probably tell this is sort of a dramatic comedy <laughs> it has comedic elements but she becomes a reaper which is to say that she dies but she is brought back as a person who helps those who die reach the afterlife she's theoretically alive she does have to eat and sleep and things like that she has a body that looks noticeably different than her old body and she can see that she's different when she looks in the mirror and she looks different to most other people except for other reapers who can see her original face that she was born with and mm -hmm. like we see her original face for the most part unless we're looking through someone else's eyes <laughs> so the reapers are sort of brought back to life but not back to their original life and they're supposed to like separate themselves from their original life and the show is mostly her struggle with doing that mm -hmm. and then also like occasionally the whole 
escorting the dead to the afterlife thing doesn't really go the way it's supposed to and there are rules and people break them and then occasionally there are just accidents and it's an interesting exploration of all of that stuff so there's some resurrection going on there huh, cool sounds interesting I, I really loved the first season and the second season was also very good but kind of went in a different storytelling direction thanks to the falls horror nerds at church season on nightmare on elm street i was thinking about freddy krueger the villain in nightmare on elm street that like every movie ends with some version of him defeated but there are a couple times where they actually like kill him yeah. and yet the next movie that comes out he is back and so there's it's a kind of resurrection because he's still kind of dead but there are a couple times where he like is brought back into the real world and yeah. like the physical world and so and yeah. speaking of horror nerds at church many of you may <laughs> remember our episodes with horror nerds at church about hocus pocus and hocus pocus 2 both of which involve attempted resurrections that don't really go the way they were supposed to and i also thought of mm. related to that practical magic one of my favorite movies you, you know sometimes if you want to bring somebody back from the dead maybe that's not the greatest idea because they're not going to come back the way you thought they were so for real yeah there are a bunch of those yeah that are just yeah and then so depending on if you think non-humans count battlestar galactica the cylons part of how they continue to exist in the world is they are resurrected so whenever they die as long as they're close enough to this certain ship then their consciousness goes back and is reborn in and resurrected in a new body but it's the same it's the same actor right so it's the same body yeah or it's a technically a new body but it's the same same person resurrected ish that was way more confusing than it actually is in the show it makes sense in the show <laughs> well and speaking of people who keep resurrecting even though maybe they shouldn't like Freddy <laughs> you know batman and several other comics have a lot of villains mm -hmm. who have died multiple times and then are brought That's back true. to life or maybe it turns out they weren't really dead or various other things but there's a lot of resurrection going on there almost always for the villains very occasionally for heroes and you know related to that i have to wonder after a certain point does deadpool really count for this anymore like i realize that that's his main superpower that he can and does come back from the dead but at a certain point he is a really tired of it and b it's just happened so often that it's no longer like extraordinary for him mm. so yeah that makes me also wonder about wolverine because it's unclear if wolverine totally dies but like there are a couple times where like he's shot in the head and presumably dies or like in some other capacity dies but then as his body like works the bullet out or whatever he comes yeah. back to life so yeah that's that a one. little less clear I, I don't know about wolverine in particular like if they threw him in a incinerator furnace like they tried with the witches in the first Hocus pocus movie i don't know if that would i mean he that. survived a nuclear blast that's a lot sure so you know yeah also in the realm of like does it count doesn't it count ghosts <laughs> samuel yeah right samuel's ghost slash the random spirit also shout out to horror nerds at church because our ghost season is beginning this week technically our season started last week but it was our holy week episode so it's starting this week with changeling is our first episode but we're looking at the ghostbuster series so cool. we are exploring all sorts of different ghosts that so far at least everybody just like has an axe to grind and once they get closure then they can yeah 
move on and be dead. So is it resurrection? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I just thought of this, but there's mm -hmm. a webcomic called Gunnar Krig Court that I am way behind on right now that includes as main characters, psychopomps, who are the people who conduct the dead to the afterlife. And I believe that there's some resurrection in that too. So, and that might mm. interest you as well, because I believe that there are various ghosts in the comic. Hmm. Okay. Sounds interesting. And then another question. Do vampires count? Yeah, like, does it count as being back from the dead if you're a vampire? I guess there are probably, I mean, there's so many different versions of vampire lore. I feel like it depends on which version you're talking it's about. Because some of the vampires are clearly, like, still very, very dead. Mm -hmm. And some of them yeah. really aren't. And so, like, I yeah. was reminded of the video game Vampire, which involves a doctor who is raised as a vampire after dying and has to deal with a plague in London. And mm. he appears to be alive unless you're looking really close, as long as he's, you know, reasonably well fed, as it were. But other vampire lore sets tell things differently. Hmm. So. Interesting. Yeah. And I was thinking of, you know, the entire season that Horror Nerds at Church did last year oh, of vampires. Yes. vampires. Yeah, a lot of them, most of them, I think where we landed, and I'll link to particularly our two retrospective episodes where we talk about vampire lore in literary terms and in the movies that we watched, but because we were tracking vampire lore and so we were paying attention to if they actually die or if they yeah. come back or... And I think for the most part, they actually die, mm. but it depends a little because Stephanie Meyer didn't pay attention to anything when she was well, creating no, her she was vampire world, but yeah. And then, of course, I don't know that this counts as full-on resurrection, but they certainly brought back the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, and they were definitely <laughs> dead, and then they were alive, and so, like, no, they weren't bringing back those individual dinosaurs, but... Does it count? It, that's an edge case. Speaking of edge cases, you know who we almost forgot? Emma. Doctor Who. Who? Okay, yeah. I... Regeneration, I would say, does not actually count as resurrection, but he's like clearly dying slash very yeah. close to dead a couple times. So. Yeah, it's definitely a death and yeah. rebirth, right? but maybe not resurrection. Right. I think the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are more like a in vitro fertilization kind yeah. of situation sure. than yeah. a resurrection. But Doctor Who, yeah. Doctor Who and River and all of the Time Lords. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. Let us know, though, if you have other favorite absolutely resurrection, pop culture or resurrection accounts or we any debatable ones. We don't think we missed ones. anybody in the Bible, but, like, if we did, sure, let us know. Absolutely. Yeah. But also, like, the debatable okay. ones are fun. Yeah. Because... Yes, Absolutely. Our first reading for this episode is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 14a, and verses 22 through 32. On Pentecost, Peter continues an impressive but short sermon, summarizing the gospel by referencing the Hebrew scriptures and telling the crowd that God will not abandon them. I would also like to point out that I object on principle to the <laughs> way that they edited this passage, specifically in skipping Peter's I promise we're not drunk caveat. That is A, one of my favorite verses in scripture, because while <laughs> I don't drink, the fact that what Peter is saying is so out there that he has to start with, and I'm not drunk when I say this, dudes. <laughs> tells you a lot but like this mm -hmm. is scene setting it's important for you to understand that the crowd clearly thinks that they are either you know going batty or totally drunk and they just skip that and that's rude so yeah i mean we'll like catch that part 
at Pentecost. But yeah. Yeah, but, but if Kay and I were to make a revised common lectionary, which I know all our listeners desperately want, actually some of them might. Oh no. That's it would be very work. different. Yeah, I don't think we're going to do that. Though I have talked about with friends from seminary doing a revised common lectionary on the texts of terror, basically. And just, like, intentionally tackling sure. those. But that's a whole other... Like over a summer or something. That would be great. No, you need, you know, at least a year for that. Okay, sure. Because each one needs their own. And it's not just, like, I just, I, I the don't top know. seven. Easter and Christmas do not really sound like text of terror times. But maybe you can have little breaks. Well, Christmas does have, you know, the slaughter of the, the holy innocents. innocents. And so... Easter has inspired an awful lot of anti-Semitism. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So we'll get to the i promise we're not drunk <laughs> not yet anyway so one of the themes in this acts passage is this concept of repetition in storytelling it comes up in the bible a lot anytime something is told or said three times it's because like that helps it be remembered better especially for oral yes. storytelling so peter is this is maybe like early on this is one of the first times he does it but he does throughout the book of acts tell the story of like jesus and each time there are different like things that he says that are the same that help so that the hearers of the gospel will remember that and it reminded me of in sky beyond a storm the final book in the ember in the ashes series the nightbringer or meheria Meheria's story is told and so you get it first from the perspective of Meheria and then you get it from from Mimi Rila and and from Laia and each time like you don't get the full story from them they just like start but they start it in a way that yeah. is the same phrasing and so it clues you into oh this is the story that I heard and then it just says that the story was told because it would be weird for it to be repeated in written storytelling the same way that it's repeated in oral storytelling. Absolutely. So as we jump into the verses, in verse 22, we read, You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. And so I was reading about this, you know, you believe about Jesus because of the deeds of power and wonders and signs. And I realized, you know what the MCU is missing? Unless maybe I missed it in one of the very more recent movies that I haven't gotten to yet, mm -hmm. which is that humans are remarkably predictable in certain ways. And so there have got to be some groups or possibly even cults who are worshiping <laughs> the weirder Avengers. Like you just know that's happening. And I'm, and I'm not talking mm -hmm. about the Norse pagans and Thor. Like I am talking about, you know, that there are people who are taking Hulk's existence as a sign from god right like that has to be a thing <laughs> and so i think you could probably turn a whole show into that of like a couple of clergy people who go around investigating those kinds of things and making sure that they're not actually like scary cults that's fantastic i love that idea and want that to be part of the next avengers movie yeah i might actually watch it then because Ooh. i'm kind of done watching avengers because it's just gotten too much to keep track of and involved. Yeah, th there was definitely a subplot at one point in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that made it look like it might kind of go that way, but I don't think it did. Mm. I mean, we have definitely met fans who worship Black Widow. So, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Anyway. So in verse 23, Peter continues saying, 
This man, Jesus, handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. Which made me just like wonder, like, who is outside the law? Like, Romans did this. It was within Roman law. But it was not within Torah or Jewish law. So I was mm. like, is this like one of those situations, which is what it feels like right now with Trump, where like one set of law for actually... one people and then a different set of law for other people? And... Yeah, yeah. And like, as for the Romans, it's actually, I think, a like thing. I think yeah. the reason why it fit in Roman law was that the Romans were good with like they would happily, you know, execute anyone for no reason. Like that was actually part of it's they true. had the authority to do that. So it, it's not exactly within Roman law; it's just within the what the list of things Rome was willing to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then in verse twenty nine, Peter continues and says, "Fellow Israelites, I may say to you confidently of our ancestor David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day." And that's. Not surprising. I don't know if it's still with us, but there are lots of tombs that are still with us today, like Eva Peron's tomb, if you know the movie mm -hmm. Evita. She was actually a, an actual person. So her tomb is in Recoleta Cemetery. I've visited it. So there are lots of tombs like that that, are, that still exist. There are plenty of, like, this is Jesus's tomb is, like, there's a place you can visit yeah. in Palestine and Israel. But then there are others that, like never officially even were with us so yeah. like they buried hitler in multiple unmarked graves and then ultimately scattered his ashes in an unknown and undisclosed location with the explicit purpose of not creating a neo-nazi pilgrimage site and there's an article that we'll link to that talks about like how all of that happened. And like, there's one person of the three person team that scattered the ashes. There's one person left alive and has been offered tons and tons of money to disclose the site. And it's like, nope, I'm taking this to my grave. Like yeah. this needs to not be a site. So kudos to that person for the work and then also keeping the secret. But yeah, some tombs should not be with us. Yeah, for, forever. Absolutely. And then in verse 30, we read, Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on the throne. So the he there is King David. And King David okay. being King David, he, you know, handily made this pretty easy for God by having a truly astonishing number of descendants, <laughs> as opposed to, say, Martin Luther, who had four of his six children live to adulthood, actually mm. has no living direct descendants left today. He had four children, and a couple of them had children, and some of those grandchildren had children, but, like, eventually those lines died out. I think there are some people who were, like, descendants of nieces and nephews of Martin Luther who are alive today, mm. but yeah. not direct. And then our second reading for this episode is First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. The author reassures us that despite the trials we face, God's love for us and Jesus' resurrection always remain true and unchanging. So one of the themes in this passage is the idea of salvation, and particularly that as it's described, right, salvation is only ever a gift. It is not something that you could earn or you could do for yourself. And it reminded me of in the Ember in the Ashes series, the star, there's a star and the pieces of the star are scattered, like the star shatters in this magical thing at the beginning and well, before the story begins. And the pieces are scattered throughout the world. 
and become parts of like jewelry and that sort of thing. And then the pieces can only be collected to remake this art if they are given willingly out of love. Otherwise they just effervesce into dust. And so there's this like, it has to be a gift of love. It cannot be something that is earned. And then as we dive into the verses, we read, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you so aside from the kept in heaven part it's vibranium (laughs) or mandalorian beskar or adamantium adamantium. yeah and then in verse six we read in this you rejoice even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials and even if you've only been going through trials for a little while, they are still valid and you still deserve to get help for them. This is your regularly scheduled reminder that your therapist and your doctor appreciate having folks see them with fairly normal and reasonable problems. Because if every patient they had walked in with terminal cancer, walking pneumonia, and a broken leg all at the same time, they would start having breakdowns pretty quick. So your doctor and your therapist is grateful for your flu or cold or weird rash or like job problems or some mild depression or just questioning about you know existential crisis of the universe they are (laughs) glad to see you when you come with those problems and if you want examples of people who desperately need a few more of those kind of patients in their lives ask the people (laughs) assisting dr house in the tv show house they all need to take a break from that sometimes yeah Mm-hmm. And then in verse 7 we read, So that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And I read this and I said to myself, like I've read this verse several times, and this was my first time reacting to this as, wait, so gold is perishable? Like explain this to me? And so I looked it up. And besides the possibility of being truly destroyed in a nuclear reaction, which would, like, that would truly destroy gold, apparently. Mm. Which presumably, like, the biblical author would be unaware of that possibility. I'm just guessing. It can be also, gold can be dissolved in a process called aqua regia, which Mm. is a mix of hydrochloric and nitric acids. And you might ask yourself, why would you try this, especially back in biblical times? And presumably the answer is science! Woohoo! So... (laughs) but apparently this was or would have been known back in biblical times yeah that is good to know i did not know yeah learning something new yeah and then in verse eight we read although you have not seen jesus you love jesus and even though you do not see jesus now you believe in jesus and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy and based on the retelling of this story i can only imagine that it is like the indescribable and glorious joy of a certain five-year-old who watches a video of two people singing happy birthday to them and giggles delightedly through the entire thing that's my guess yeah not that i know from experience having been the one to make the video And then our gospel reading today is from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Thomas misses Jesus's first visit to the disciples after the resurrection and later gets to experience Jesus for himself, presumably again, like they had met previous to this. What? (laughs) No way, Thomas. It's not like he wanted to go with Jesus to Judea to die for Lazarus's death. Not at all. So one of the themes in this passage is the greeting that Jesus gives each time Jesus appears, he says, peace be with you. And 
So it's a much better choice of words than the words that Nazis used in every single message that they ever sent included in World War II because their repetition of the same two-word phrase that we're not repeating on this because yeah. it's a bad phrase, but the repetition of that as in every single message actually led to the cracking of their code in the imitation game about the life and brilliance of Alan Turing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, good job. Peace be with you. It's almost like it's a good greeting and it's a good goodbye. A good That's sending. <laughs> huh. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> in verse 19, we read, When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Judeans, Jesus came and stood among the disciples and said, Peace be with you. So that's like, as opposed to locking the doors for fear of the Sackville Bagginses coming to get Bilbo's <laughs> stuff or something, you know. Yeah, and making off with the silver spoons. Right? I knew I could count on you to remember what it was they were trying to make off. Thank yeah. you. Well, I, I think it's just commented at one point that Bilbo always counted his silver spoons after Labella, was that her name, left. Maybe, yeah. But then again, as I remember, I believe she's also the one who like gets to beat Saruman around the head with her umbrella. So, you know, she gets to have her moment of awesome. It's great. That's fair. That's fair, yeah. And then in verse 20, we read, After Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So to clarify this verse, they are rejoicing because they realized that it was really Jesus that they were talking to. They weren't <laughs> rejoicing at seeing the scars themselves. Like, please mm -hmm. just don't do that when someone shows you their scars, that no one's going to appreciate that reaction, not even Inigo Montoya. It just, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that is not a great time for rejoicing. Unless you're rejoicing that the scar has like healed over, which is different. And then in verse 26, we read, A week later, his disciples, that is Jesus' disciples, were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And I realize that this is supposed to like infer to us that Jesus was sort of teleported in a la Star Trek. But mm -hmm. I also really want the version of the story where he just quietly climbed in through a window for no apparent reason. <laughs> <laughs> like that sounds like a fantastic version of the story and I want it. Uh -huh. And it reminds me of the character Sam who always climbed in through Clarissa's window in Clarissa Explains It All for oh vaguely unclear reasons they were best yeah. friends he lived next door and yeah. he always climbed up the ladder into her bedroom window instead of going to the front door and the very few times that he did go to the front door he was very clearly freaked out by it so yeah that's funny yeah i used to watch that show all the time yes i, I quite enjoyed it yeah and then in verse 29 we read jesus said to thomas have you believed because you have seen me Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. And as Judy in the Santa Claus definitely says, seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although there was definitely some show or something that I watched as a kid, like maybe one of those like short commercial length type things that they did on like Disney Channel or something that was about inventions that used this phrase. I just can't remember it, but it was like all about how like creativity you have to be able to imagine a thing before you can yeah create it invent it that makes sense but i don't remember that phrase myself mm. so. yeah but it definitely happens in the santa claus so you know go yeah. judy the elf 
And now for our reviving, our perpetually resurrected segment, revivifying, (laughs) let's make a Muppets musical. (laughs) Yes. Our segment with the most new life. Yeah. Who are you casting? Yes. Well, I immediately went back to our Acts reading and I was asking myself, so like we've cast Jesus several times and I think we've only cast Peter once or twice. But in Mm, terms of the guy making the speech to the big crowd about who Jesus was, keeping the crowd's attention and also having to explain, no, I promise we're not drunk. I think Gonzo. Gonzo (laughs) definitely could nail that speech and also like keep everyone's attention and also he might have to work at it a little bit to convince people they weren't drunk, but I can absolutely see him doing that. So I, I'm saying Godzo for Peter. That's fantastic. And, you know, Camilla flapping around in the background. Oh, of Camilla course. Of course. Yeah, of course. Camilla always has it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Anytime Gonzo shows up. Yep. How about you? That is a good question. But I think for me, when I think about... I'm on an Elmo kick, I think. <laughs> I think Elmo would be a good Thomas. Sure. Like the naming needs. Elmo is very good at naming Elmo's needs. Yeah. And is three and a half. So like a concrete thinker. Yes. Him wanting to see the scars would make sense. Also, you know what he'd be very good at? He'd be very good at touching Jesus' scars without hurting Jesus. Mm, Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Catch us next time when we'll discuss nerdery connections to the scripture readings for the third Sunday of Easter. This podcast has been produced by us, Kay Roloff and Emily Ewing. For more fun, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Nerds at Church, or contact us at nerdsatchurch at gmail.com. Also, if you like what you've heard, rate us or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, or wherever you catch your podcasts. If you want access to our uncut guest episodes and interviews, live Q&As, and more, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdsatchurch. It's cheaper than all of the things you would have to do to prove to people that you are not, in fact, dead after dying and being resurrected. Yes, not to mention the paperwork. Yeah. Oof. Also, let us know on Facebook or Twitter who you would cast for Let's Make a Muppets Musical for this episode. As the ancient Christian said, Pox Pox Fobiscum. Fobiscum.